Welcome to the August 2nd edition of the PFF Forecast. We've got a great show, despite the fact that we finally have to talk about the NFC South. It is an obligation. They are a division within the NFL. We're going to make some fun out of it. The only way to handle a division like this is to bet on it. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, let's rock. In It was fitting, I think, that we all sort of, uh, we had a time that we were going to talk uh, on this podcast. We joined, we got there. Judah couldn't make it. He was in traffic. And then as soon as we join, Judah drops again. So Brad, I don't know if you would compare this to the, the uh, quarterback situation of the bucks or not, but that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the football gods are shining down on us and are like, just don't spend 45 minutes talking about the NFC South. Just go outside, touch some grass, you know, tell your loved ones, you love them. Just do anything besides talk about this division. But Hey, like you said, you can bet on anything and then it becomes interesting. So we're going to do just that. Hopefully uh, we get you to back here at some point, um, but uh, the strong will continue to go on. The NFC South, here's what uh, we have at DraftKings right now. New Orleans Saints are plus 120. The Atlanta Falcons plus 215. The Carolina Panthers are plus 400. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 8-1. So implied probabilities there are Saints 45%. The Falcons, the Falcons are 32%. The Carolina Panthers 20%. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 11% implied probability to win this division. So as we start uh, each of these conversations, um, start with you, Brad, since uh, Judah probably has to tape his uh, internet back together, make sure that it's still working. Um, which one of these is the most mispriced uh, and why? I wish I had a fun answer here. I wish there was one of the non-favorites that I could make a case for, um, but I've been so negative about all these teams, including the Saints, but I think they're the best team on paper uh, by, a, frankly, a wide margin. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe honestly my answer is the Bucks, just because I don't think they should be as far behind a rookie starting quarterback, Carolina Panthers, or a... <laughs> You know, sophomore with what four starts last year, Desmond Ritter. I'm not saying I like them, but I don't think they should be all the way at it eight to one with, you know, a comparable roster other spots compared to the Panthers and Falcons. If you wanted to make a play here on a long shot, I guess that would be my answer. Peter, what about you? Yeah. Uh I think it's the Falcons, not towards winning the division, but I think they're they're being given too much credit here. Uh you can kind of start with with Ritter and I think Maybe that's properly priced then. I will say, I think of all the teams in the league, I think quarterback probably matters less to the Falcons than anyone else, just because I think they're going to hide Ritter. Uh, it's going, they're not going to run very many plays. It's going to be very run heavy. They're going to make the offense very easy for him. But from what we've seen of Ritter, it's been an absolute disaster in all stable situations. He's been the absolute worst quarterback. Granted, it's a small sample size. The part that I think is going overlooked here is I think people see Drake London. They see Kyle Pitts and they're like, oh, this is a this is a you know plus receiving unit. After that, it's a disaster. I mean, Matt Collins looks absolutely jacked, but he's not exactly uh, anyone's idea of a wide receiver, too. Uh, Scotty Miller is one of the worst receivers at the catch point after the catch. Uh, he's not exactly a great wide receiver three. Sure, the offensive line's fine, but this is not exactly like a talented 
group on offense. Uh, yes, they have ceiling in, in Pitts and London, but not exactly the, the talent you'd want to surround yourself with. A, a quarterback with so many question marks. Uh, defense, they were bad last year. Sure, they have some talent, uh, but this is not going to be a, a top unit, I don't think. Uh, Jesse Bates is a good player. Does he really move the, the needle that much? They're still, uh, you know, Jeff Akuda exactly uh, been a, a good corner so far. Uh, yes, they have AJ Terrell and some other good players, but not exactly a, a plus unit, which is the point here. Uh, Ritter is a massive question mark. I don't really see the case so much for upside. Uh, at the end of the day, like quarterbacks and, and you know, good receiving uh, units win, and I don't think the Falcons really have either of those things, and they're kind of being credited as if there's a there's a legit chance they do. The, I think a good point about the Falcons, and there's a lot of, I think, cases that people are trying to make for the Falcons. They've had poor quarterback play, and you might make an argument that if they had a decent quarterback, you know, you, you could make a, a really strong case for favoring them. I think we're assuming that they have an average quarterback based on, on what the market is saying. And that just feels really rich, right? Mid fifties PFF grade for Desmond Ritter last year. You mentioned all the stable situation that he was not very good from a clean pocket. Um, and you can talk about running the ball all you want, but the other concern that I have is you look at their defense and you know, you can only run the ball so much when you're losing. Now you look at the rest of the division. I don't know that you're particularly scared about any. My answer to this is the Bucks, and, and here's the reason why. It's not because I think they're any good, but let's look at the quarterback play. I think there's an assumption that Bryce Young is going to be very good. Okay, but rookies are unknown, and that supporting cast is not particularly good either. The Bucks have had a myriad of injuries, and when you think about some of the kind of important positions. Obviously, quarterback is one, but you look at the receiving core and you look across all of these teams, Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas didn't just like disappear yesterday. Russell Gage is still a serviceable uh, receiver. And the biggest weakness on this team certainly is the offensive line. But here are a couple of things to note. If that receiving core stays healthy, maybe that offensive line, a few players, you know, play a little bit better than than terrible. Um, these receivers, I think, will be able to present opportunities um, for for Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, whichever one it is. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that there's a glimmer of hope there for the Bucs. Everyone is writing them off. Everyone is making fun of their quarterback situation. I look around, you know, certainly the Saints should be favored here. But if you're taking a flyer, I do think the Bucs are the right team to to take a flyer on. There's no doubt about it. Um, you got a lot of players that are going to be pissed off that they're they're being written off. So I think that's the answer. Um, I'm not saying this is my favorite division bet. I, I definitely like the, the the Vikings one that we talked about last week. If you didn't check that out, go listen to the NFC North podcast. Um, but I, I do think it is the Bucks. Can I interest you, uh, Brad, in a little box eight to one? Oh, I like Judah, I guess, was saying, like, fading Atlanta. I'm also fading the hype on Carolina. But, yeah, pre-show, Judah, before you even here, I was talking about how people think the Falcons' defense is going to be good, and I'm not sure exactly why they've arrived at that conclusion. Um, like, the Bucks, yeah, I mean, I think you just make the argument of if Baker is just, like, 
can can game manage. They probably you can make the case have the best roster in the division. Other otherwise, and again, it's a terrible division. It might be the worst division in the sport. We're not like really gassing up any of these teams, but. My thing more is just, yeah, the, the value there. I, I don't know why it's not Saints plus 120 and then three teams at 450, you know, plus 450. I don't get why it's kind of distributed the way it is. I I think there's more upside in the unknowns of the quarterbacks, at least with Young uh, and Ritter, uh, or even actually just like the Falcons' Young roster in general. The issue I would have with the Bucks and why I don't like this bet at all. Uh, so we've talked on this podcast a bunch about kind of the – combination of that offensive line and Baker holding the ball for too long. Uh, but I think it's, I, I also don't agree with the premise uh, that this is the most talented receiving core, maybe of the uh, Falcons and Panthers. Sure. But Evans is on the decline. Godwin's on the decline. Uh, I'm not exactly like what's going to turn in Baker that he's just going to become a, you know, non bottom five quarterback. That's kind of what he's been the whole time. And I, the coaching staff also, I think we have to note, uh, probably going, it's the same sort of regime uh, of just early down runs, not exactly setting themselves up for, you know, easy situations for Baker on third down. And that's when the combo of a guy who holds the ball for too long and obvious passing sets with a terrible offensive line, I just see a bunch of, a bunch of sacks uh, quickly. The other point on the division is like, if they get off to a bad start, this I assume is going to be a, a clean house operation, uh, just firing everyone. They'll give Kyle Trask some starts and, and see what they have. Uh, I also, the defense is probably going to regress. It's an older unit. They were really good uh, kind of for the past two, three years. Uh, I don't see that sustaining itself. Um, I just struggle because I don't see the upside case for Baker Mayfield. And you can talk yourself into, while I'm not, I'm not there, you can talk yourself into Bryce Young and Desmond One question, and it's more really just me being like devil's advocate uh, or just kind of forcing you to answer. So you look at Jordan Love and Kyle Trask. How do you talk? And I'm not saying you have talked yourself into, but like, uh, obviously the narratives are very different. Yes. One's a first round draft pick. The Packers traded up to get him. They didn't start him because they had Aaron Rodgers. He was the number two, whereas Trask was Blaine Gabbert's number three the whole time. But like, do you think that that to a degree, maybe it's almost unfair how we've just assumed Jordan Love's going to figure it out or people have, there is going to be okay. He'll figure it out. And with Trask, it's just like, this guy is a, is a waste of a draft pick. He's useless. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I definitely said uh, I don't trust Love for kind of exactly the reasons yeah, you're articulating yeah. now. But the difference is, I think, that if Kyle Trask was really a quarterback uh, that can start in the NFL, you'd think they wouldn't bring in Baker Mayfield. And not just that maybe they'd bring in Baker Mayfield, but it would be clear, like, we're going with Kyle Trask. In the same way that the Falcons were like, okay, we brought in Mariota, but we're going to go with Ritter. Uh, even just, like, find out uh, – and see what we have. That's not at all the MO of the of the Bucks. Uh and Fair. that you can take as evidence. But like as you're saying, it's kinda it's a guess game. It's a little bit of a mystery box. We're gonna talk Saints here in just a second before we do. a uh, little reminder for everyone out there, printing press, the Discord. If you haven't gotten involved yet, you should. By the way, I always say little reminder, I just realized that it's not a little one, it's a big one because the season is uh fast approaching us. We have the Hall of Fame game. Coming up this weekend, so or this week, I should say. Um, so go get yourself involved. It is uh, the link in the bio, uh, sorry, not in the bio, in the description of the YouTube video. Also, we tweeted out. It is a fantastic place. It's hard to listen to a podcast and then get the numbers that you're looking for. It's also we don't record a podcast every time a good bet presents itself. So it's a fantastic place to go. Make sure that you're never 
left out in the cold. We're also doing some merch giveaways. Listen every Sunday. Um, and uh, we do the merch giveaways on Sundays in the Discord. So you'll want to jump in there to get really cool swag as you get ready for the NFL season. Uh, also, our friends at DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook, and now the DraftKings Million Dollar uh, Millionaire, I should say, DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest. A million dollars to be selling it short. It's $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes that are up for grabs. It is the largest best ball contest ever. And with promo code PFF, you get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. You need to act now before this expires. It expires this month. 8 9 23 is when it is all said and done. Best thing about best ball, you do not have to add, drop, trade, or do any of that baloney start, sit stuff in the middle of the season. You draft your team, and then your top scores count towards your team score every single week. So the best players that you wish you could always put in your starting lineup, they actually are. And the teams with the most points at the end of the season, they've got a shot to win $1 million as the top prize. So go use promo code PFF. I don't know what you're waiting for. Download the DraftKings app and get started with Best Ball Millionaire today. That's promo code PFF. Gambling problem call went under gambler. One per customer opt-in required with $10 entry bonus issued as 10 DK dollars. Age eligible restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. It ends 823 or 8923. Your New Orleans Saints, Brad. This is uh, an interesting year for them because they've been trying the journeyman quarterback and this worked for them in a way with drew Brees, right they happen to kind of go grab a journeyman quarterback he ends up having this second life right after after uh shoulder surgery um is there an element of this where the team feels like they're doing this with Derek carr and what is your uh i guess level of optimism that that could happen he obviously is not coming after after shoulder surgery although some people who watched the Raiders last year might uh might argue differently but you look at this team there's a lot of talent still on the team a lot of talent at receiver we've talked about Rashid uh uh Shahid can't get that right out of my mouth Judah's favorite guy obviously have Michael Thomas still and Chris Olave who I think many people believe could be one of the best receivers in the league by the end of this year. So what's your take on the saints who are still the favorite um, at plus plus one twenty to win the division? I think they should be the favorite. I don't think Derek Carr is going to be having a, you know, Drew Brees career revival, but um, the weaponry is, is pretty it's deep not. too. You didn't even mention, you didn't even mention Jimmy Graham. I mean, potential hall of fame True. tight end, Jimmy Graham. You got Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau playing some ball. Um, yeah, I think it's the best team in the division by a decent margin. I guess you did mention Todd Bowles down in Tampa. I don't think Dennis Allen is the you know greatest coach in the world either necessarily. But um, yeah, I mean, and they also and then for you know Ben Brown does our ELO at PFF or our strength of schedule. They have the easiest strength of schedule in the entire NFL, which of course is in part because you get six games against this division. But um, but yeah, long answer short, they're over eleven and a half uh, win total is plus two seventy which I do not hate. I, I don't love the team. The defensive line has massive question marks. Um, but uh, every other unit I think is fine. And I think they're just, they're going to play a lot of very bad football teams. Jared, what's your take? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big strength of schedule guy at all, but I will say looking at even the look at headlines right now, the saints are favorites in 14 games and the ones they are underdogs in uh, is they are plus one against the Packers in week three. Uh, it's like plus two against the Patriots and then, you know, plus one and a half against the Vikings. 
Uh, basically, those games are essentially pickups, um, which is just to illustrate how easy a schedule it is. And of course, these things can change. Uh, but I think the main take is just like set the expectation here. And it's almost similar to the, the case you made for the Vikings uh, on Monday, just that you know what you're going to get with Derek Carr. Is he going to be great? Probably not. Is he going to be horrible? Also, probably not. He's going to be somewhere in between. And just you look at the offensive weaponry, it's it's so much better than everyone else in this division. Uh, right? I've, I've spoken about how much I love Chris Olave. I think he'll be in the conversation as, as one of the best receivers in the league. Rashid Shahid is, of course, a, a darling. Uh, and it's like he, those guys are good. That's a cherry on top. Uh, the defense, yes, it's, it's fragile because it's old. Still probably going to be a, a solid unit. Uh, and you just look at the stability that Carr presents, especially relative to, you know, Ritter, Young, and Baker Mayfield, and you got to just set the expectation a lot higher. Uh, and the NFC is so bad this year uh, that that can go a long way. Yeah, I guess that there's some good kind of thoughts around what, you know, the, the Raiders were, they had some decent supporting cast. I do think you can make a case this is going to be the best one that, that Derek Carr has ever had. I would certainly feel differently if like this were still Sean Payton. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Sean Payton does with Broncos, right? It's like, I think there's an assumption that, yeah, Drew Brees is really, really good, but also like Sean Payton was you know, amazing. And so it's going to be really hard for the Saints to ever kind of get back to that level. Um, I am interested, though, in what this could mean for some of the receivers uh, there and what, you know, like from a betting angle, what sort of opportunities there are. So let's get into some bets here uh, and start with you, um, Brad. What are some of the bets that you like? And if there are any for the Saints, we can start there. Yeah. Uh, so it is obviously you're basically betting on health, but uh, you can get Michael Thomas at 80 to one to lead the NFL in receptions. Uh, those are the same odds as Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, Jarek McKinnon, Hayden Hurst, uh, DeAndre Swift, Pat Fryermuth. So anyway, the point I'm making is, yeah, they're super long odds. I think he, if healthy, is better than all those players. Yeah, obviously, it's it's a long shot. You are betting on him staying healthy for at least 15 well, some odd games, but as amazing as Olave is, as much as I think he's going to be the number one guy in this offense, we know Derek Carr is not always slinging it. He's been getting yelled at by John Gruden for years for not uncorking it and throwing downfield. If he had a big body guy who can get him seven yards on a slant every snap, I think he'd throw it to him every single time if he could. So that's, you know, just, just a fun kind of random bet. Look, when healthy last year in the first three weeks, Michael Thomas looked like Michael Thomas. He really did. Uh, and then unfortunately he got hurt once again. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. I I, th I just took for granted that Michael Thomas like didn't play last year. Um, but uh, but you're right, he did play, um, and played three games last year and, and was pretty good. I'm pulling up his grades uh, right now. Kick it to you, Judah, while we uh, while I do that. Yeah. So I mean, I'll start with the division. Uh, I really just don't see a, a case for any of the other three teams to win. Uh, I think this should be a, a minus money bet. Uh, but mm -hmm. another way of attacking this, and we've given out, you know, Olave, we've given out Rashid Shahid props. Uh, I think those are, are you, you kind of bought past the, uh, the, the value there. Um, but I think another angle to attack this is looking at Chris Olave touchdowns. Uh, I see it over five and a half plus 100 and probably, uh, you know, do some line shopping. Maybe, maybe you can get a 105 there. Uh, Olave was great in the, in the red zone in, in tight spaces. That's an area where he's excelled separation. Uh, and this is also a bet essentially saying that the uh, 
the Saints are going to be down in the in the red zone fairly often. Uh, I think they'll be more comfortable throwing uh, this year with with Carr as opposed to Dalton. Uh, maybe fewer Taysom Hill rushes, uh, kind of as to have an established number one quarterback. But at the end of the day, if this team's going to score a bunch of touchdowns, Carr's going to have a successful year, uh, and Olave is going to emerge as even if he, you know, they they go to Michael Thomas often. I think that Olave can still be a you know massive target share, and he's going to score touchdowns. Uh, if the Saints are good and and if uh, he's productive, I love the Alave bet. And I was looking at a few different Alave bets. I think that one is super sharp, especially because um, he. I mean, he plays a lot in the slot. Certainly in the red zone, you're going to get a lot of opportunities to match up with you know linebackers and stuff in the slot. I mean, he's going to separate from them so so well. Um, and you know, five and a half touchdowns i think that's assuming a little bit of too much of michael thomas i think we've got to assume like michael thomas probably not going to play the entire season um so i definitely like that one a lot and and you're right we've mentioned a few of these uh bets before we definitely talked about like bryce young for example um bets beforehand uh or before this podcast i should say um and so there's a lot of value that i think we've kind of already um already snapped up there um here's one that uh, I'm kind of interested in your guys' take on. So uh, you look at um, the the Tampa box, and it's hard to find, you know, any sort of case to be made for either of the quarterbacks, and I get that. But what about the receivers? You know, uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, like they didn't, they didn't just like, I don't know, fall off a complete cliff. I feel like that's kind of the way we're, we're treating them. Um, Cal, uh, sorry, Chris Godwin, uh, 800 and a half receiving yards they're going to be down a pretty decent amount certainly the way the market feels about them um and you know it still has mike evans over there in a situation where the offensive line is not great you know you have to throw the ball short i feel like godwin is the guy that's going to get the massive share of the targets and it is more durable quite frankly or at least as durable as mike evans so one of my favorite bets in this division is a chris godwin over um, I just feel like the, the undervalue of the entire uh, Bucks offense um, probably shouldn't trickle down that far. George, I have it circled. I uh, agree with you 110%. I actually was going to pose to you guys the question of whether you liked the over 800 and a half receiving yards or the over 80 and a half receptions. I mean, Judah, you mentioned maybe he wasn't as good last year. You got to remember, he tore his ACL in December of 2021 and then played in 137 targets last year with 104 catches and over 1,000 receiving yards. Obviously, you know, a ton of that was garbage time, the Bucks being down, playing some bad football, Tom Brady throwing the ball 700 times. But, um, I agree with you, George. I think he's the guy of the two. I'm wondering, yeah, so he's gone over 800 yards, what, six, five seasons in a row, um, but he's also the last two seasons at 104 catches and 98 catches. They do have some depth. They have Russell Gage, but you lose the tight ends. You won't have Cam Brayton, and Rob Gronkowski and those guys taking targets away. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to bet it, or I like to bet either way. I'm just curious if I'm going to go receptions or the actual yardage because I can also see garbage time where he doesn't get a lot of yards, but he gets like nine catches and six of those are in the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game. But, you know, anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'd also keep in mind when using the Bucks kind of rates for the past couple of years as they were the past heaviest offense in the league or among it, like especially last year, Brady was slinging it 50 times a game. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that. First off, by design, uh, I think this team's gonna gonna run slowly uh, and and run the ball. But George, I think to your point uh, 
on on Evans and Godwin. I actually like the Evans under at nine twenty five a whole bunch. Uh, his his separation numbers really fell off a cliff uh, last year, and he was still productive. But a lot of that production actually came from kind of throws at the at the catch point. He was winning a bunch of contested balls, uh, and then the like three times that the Bucks actually had success on offense last year were you know go rats to Mike Evans. I'm thinking about that Panthers game uh, where he scored a bunch of a long touchdowns. So I think the sticky part in that is actually like Evans' lack of separation. If you look at just like the, the raw numbers, uh, we've got four years worth of data. So you got 0. 0.10, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8, and then 0. 0.3. Uh, that's a pretty pretty large gap. And I'll, honestly, the the point that Brad made uh, a couple podcasts ago, he's been gutting out injuries for years and years and years. And this is not a competitive team. Uh, I don't necessarily see him doing that. Uh, and that's certainly going to, you know, add some more fodder to, to the Godwin play, which is like, if Evans is dealing with a, you know, an acting hamstring injury again, he's going to miss some games, especially if they're not competitive. Uh, I like the under there, and I, I like the over with uh, Godwin as well. Real quick, that's a phenomenal shout because it's like, you know, every player is different. But I think a lot of times when it's stuff like this where it's hamstrings and things like that, you see the Julio Jones where he doesn't practice. He never practices, but he kind of is able to gut it out and be productive. And then you kind of do hit a wall. Um, at a certain point where you can't separate. And like you say, you're not getting the favorable script and all that. He also is trying to get an extension right now. And and as of yet, there still is not one. If he doesn't get one, again, I'm not going to say he's going to sit out or you know whatever, but he's not going to play through something. He'll just say, all right, we'll get Caleb Williams and maybe I'll be healthier next year. Yeah. I, I, the Caleb Williams thing, I mean, I didn't even think about the Bucks. really should be thinking about that. That's one of those situations, though, where doesn't it feel like, doesn't it feel like everyone there fights against it? Maybe the only people that want that to actually happen are like maybe too far removed from the team to really do anything. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to fire, you know, the whole coaching staff in the middle of the season, like, you know, and just have you know you and I coach them. Like, maybe we actually do a decent job. Um, you know, like, I don't know. It's it's uh. I, I think it's interesting because I could see that case. Like, I think they should think about that, but there's a lot of players on that team who are only a few years removed from a Super Bowl. A lot of highly p- priced players. Like, yeah, I don't know. I could see them sitting out, but I don't think they'll be sitting out more because of that. It might be just, you know, a, well, I'm not going to risk it if I have an injury that I could hurt more. However, I will say this. I think the way that most NFL players are, you know, their mindset is, is that if there's an opportunity for them to put stats up, right. And to help them, you know, further their career, make more money, whatever it is, like, as long as it's not something that they're risking re-injury with, you know, I do think that the, the, the mindset is go out there and play. So, yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting conversation. Let's talk a little bit um, about the Panthers, Brad, any, any Panthers bets that you like? Yeah, so I think the one with the Panthers that I I, I kind of like is fairly high, but I do think DJ Chark is going to be the number one receiver here. I know he didn't get the biggest deal. Um, my understanding is he basically took this contract as opposed to some other places because he thinks he is going to be the number one guy on the team um, and can have a massive year and then get finally a, a big multi-year deal from somewhere else. I think you're talking about guys that are washed. Adam Thielen, I don't even need to look at stats. He, he could not say, you could watch all 22. The guy could not separate to save his life. And I think he was playing through some injuries, but it was like very, very noticeable. So um, it's 675 and a half yards. Like I said, not the smallest number. We obviously already on Bryce Young's under, you know, 39 or 3,800, whatever it was, passing yards. But 
I think Jonathan Mingo is going to be a guy that's not going to make a huge impact right away. I'm not afraid of Terrace Marshall, LaVisca Chenault, Hayden Hurst, et cetera. Um, you know, he's got to stay healthy. But in Detroit last year when he was healthy, uh, he was productive. He had a couple hundred-yard games on the stretch when he finally was done dealing with some nagging injuries. Kind of always part of his shtick. But I think if he stays healthy, he does go over this number because I think he is the best receiver on this team. Yeah. I, I would uh, – I mean – We've given out all the, I think, Bryce Young under props. In the same vein, another way of attacking that and just kind of selling the the Panthers' offense in general is taking Miles Sanders under 925 rushing yards. Uh, number one, I think this this is priced as if Sanders is kind of slow with the Eagles. Um, and I think there are two huge discrepancies. Number one, the the offensive lines are, are totally different. Uh, I think if you look at like the, the perfectly blocked run rate for the Eagles last year, it was close to 70%. Uh, and the uh, excuse me, sixty percent, and the Panthers is more like forty-five percent. Uh, also, just the play volume, and I think this is the point of the Panthers not being a particularly good offense, is that the Eagles were just constantly in the lead last year. Uh, they ran like three hundred sixty more plays than the Panthers did, and I think the Panthers this year uh, are going to run a pretty slow offense. That's what's going to happen with rookie quarterbacks, especially kind of devoid of talent. They're not just going to be letting Bryce Young unleash the ball. They're going to try and run the ball, but. That added volume doesn't actually, you know, or I shouldn't say that that run tendency doesn't lead to added volume because if you're not efficient, it doesn't really matter how much you run the ball. Uh, I don't think they're going to be leading very many games. This is not a particularly good offense. I don't even see uh, Sanders as uh, a workhorse back. He, he's gotten like 55% of the snap share in basically all but one year. They still have Chuba Hubbard, who they, they gave work to last year and was pretty successful. Uh, I love, love the Miles Sanders under 925 yards. I so I stole one of Brad's uh, bets and Judah, you nailed one of mine. Um, so I've been playing around with the the new PFF product, the fantasy mock draft sim, and um, I'm not a big like fantasy mock drafter guy, um, uh, you know. But I've actually enjoyed doing them because what it's done is it's showed me who people are are high on where they shouldn't be. Right? You see ADPs for players. This has helped me prepare for my fantasy drafts. Even though I do auction keeper leagues, I feel like I know, I actually know something about the players and, and where people feel, you know, those players should go. So, you know, by the way, you can go check it out. It's totally free on, on PFF.com and the PFF app. But here's what I keep getting presented with. Hey, would, can I, could we interest you in Miles Sanders? And every single time I get presented with Miles Sanders, I look and I look at the other running backs around him and I'm like, like Damian Pierce, give me Damian Pierce all day, every day. What, what am I doing with Miles Sanders? Judy, you hit the nail on the head on every single point. There's one that I don't think I heard you mention. And that is the impact of having a quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who you were actually scared of running the ball. Guess who's not going to be running the ball a lot for the Carolina Panthers? Bryce Young. Because guess what? He's four foot seven, 115 pounds. So you can't risk him getting broken like a China doll. The Miles Sanders under is a, an absolutely sensational bet. Um, I, I, I just there's so many things that are completely different, but we've we've always talked about the importance of a running quarterback, and as it pertains to your rushing offense, you combine the lack of that with just a much much worse offensive line. The, the, the Eagles' offensive line is the best in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers, you could make a case that they're middle of the pack. They don't have any huge glaring weaknesses, but they don't have a single player 
on their team, on their offensive line, their starters, that grades better than 19th at their position. So they, they certainly are not one that you would think is going to open up a bunch of massive, uh, massive holes. Here's the other thing. The, uh, the wide receivers for the Carolina Panthers, DJ Chark Jr., Terrace Marshall Jr., Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst. If you are an opposing uh, defense, okay, and you have some safeties to allocate, I'm curious how terrified you are to allocate them, right? Or, to, you know, to allocate your extra defensive back resources towards those guys. Yeah, I think you're kind of like, hey, if DJ Chark like beats us deep, DJ Chark beats us deep, you know? So, um, yeah, I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a phenomenal bet. Yeah, I think you're, you're they're going to face some heavy boxes. I would uh, I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's um I don't think it's going to be super pretty. Uh all right, before we close out, uh one last uh item to mention for you all. I, I don't have a great transition other than right now it's about 76 degrees in San Diego and um I'm sitting here I'm obviously wearing a tank top. I got the window open. I refuse to to turn on the AC because, you know, I'm, I'm not just burning money here, but it's warm, right? It's warm. And I still feel comfortable. And the reason I still feel comfortable, fellas, is that uh, I'm a member of, of the Smooth Sack Summer Brigade, Brigade, right? I've got Manscaped, manscaped.com, promo code PFF, get free shipping and 20% off. Um, and you think I'm joking? No. Like if you are right now sitting in the sweltering heat of summer and you're just dealing with hair everywhere, it's it's not a, it's not an existence that you need to live. Okay, so go take advantage of twenty percent off and free shipping. Two things that you can get: both the uh, lawnmower 4.0, which is great for all the body hair that you need to dispose of, doesn't cut you up. Battery lasts super long. Flashlight, so you never know. You know, you make sure that you never hit anything you don't want to hit. And then they've got a face package as well, which is really great, super high quality, just like. Uh, everything else that they make um, comes with an adjustable um, uh, blade so that you don't have to like take things off and put things back on. Very, very sharp cuts really close. If you wanted to um, very, very good product. So both of them, I use both of them. Um, and trust me, I don't do it just because they're a sponsor here. Uh, I would happily, and I have done this for many products before is throw it away. If it doesn't make, uh, it doesn't get the job done. So go to manscaped.com 20% off and uh, free shipping for any product that you purchase on manscaped.com. Brad, I feel like I salvaged that one a little bit. I really had no idea what I was going to say. Um, but, you know, I feel like that was, I didn't win that one, but I, I probably covered as an underdog there. I think you battled back to a backdoor cover, you know, made it personal, really made it approach approachable, relatable. Yeah. I'll give you a backdoor yeah. cover. I really, really feel for George and the sweltering 76 degree heat of San Diego <laughs> in August. I'm really feeling for you. Very. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. It's tough. Um, I'll have to go catch some of the sea breeze after this. To, yeah, Judah was, uh, Judah was just white knuckling over the George Washington Bridge in 90 degree heat, just sweating his bullets. And he's like, oh, poor George, the gentle San Diego breeze over there. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've, I've dealt with it before. I, I feel it. Here's the thing. On the East Coast, you just you run the AC. You just do it, right? Like here, I am trying my hardest not to run the AC. Um, my fiance is right now uh, on a aircraft carrier, so she's not here. And so I know if she's when she comes back, she's going to make me run the AC. Like I just know it. There's just no, I can't get out of it. 
So I'm refusing to run it until she comes back. It's like, you know, like 80 degrees in here. Um, so you guys are at least probably dealing with something a little more pleasant inside than I am. That's what I, that's what I'll yeah. tell you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I look, the energy and the energy bills are ridiculous. Anyways, that's not what people came for. Okay. Um, let's close out with this. Any last bets or kind of tail angles that um, we'd like for the beautiful NFC South? Yeah, we didn't touch much on Atlanta. Uh, and I do think they're under six and a half at plus 310 is an interesting angle for a tail outcome. I, I mean, like I talked about, I just, I don't think this defense actually got a whole lot better. Um, and yeah, the tail outcome of one of, if one of Drake London or Kyle Pitts gets hurt, all of a sudden you may have a case for the worst weaponry or close to it, not including, you know, mm -hmm. Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, the dynamic duo. Um, but yeah, you have a bad quarterback potentially with a bad weaponry and a bad defense. So I think that is a tail outcome that I think is, is worth a gamble. Yeah, I'll, I'll give two, uh, one, I think we've got the Bucks lowest scoring team in the NFL, uh, at 12 mm -hmm. to one mentioned all the reasons I'm selling them. I really just, there's such a tails possibility. I think of the entire organization just going into dysfunction and the entire coaching staff being fired and just the full on. I uh, think for, for Caleb Williams. Uh, but I think I, I actually like this one a little bit more. Uh, and that's Frank Reich, coach of the year at 25 to one. I'm not necessarily buying Bryce Young uh, as the number one, number one quarterback, but there is definitely a possibility uh, that he has a really good year or even a year that, you know, the Panthers kind of luck into nine, 10 wins, win the NFC South. And who's going to get the credit for that? Uh, it's like, you know, Matt Rule's regime was an absolute disaster. In comes Frank Reich with a rookie quarterback, a horrible weaponry, uh, like a fine defense, and he comes and, you know, guides Carolina to a division title. I think he's going to be the one who gets credit for that. Uh, you know, maybe there'll be some other coaches that have better stories. You know, maybe Dan Campbell winning the uh, NFC North for the first time in like 30 years for the uh, Lions no. will get there. But I think if you're going to take a long shot, uh, and I don't see it as so crazy. The defense is fine. If Bryce Young is fine, uh, I think there is a possibility that the Panthers can win the division. And I think 25 to one for Frank Wright, coach of the year is the way to, to kind of capitalize on that. I like it. Um, so I have a, a tail outcome here. Now you mentioned this with the Vikings when we talked on, on Monday, Judah around the Vikings winning the NFC or having the, uh, the first seed in the NFC. I think that's an interesting angle for the New Orleans saints as well. That one, um, I, I think is, you know, if you can find it and you're getting what, like, I think you said it was, were you looking at like 16 to one or something like I, that? But um, yeah, it's 10 to one, 10 to one. I'm seeing for the saints. Okay. So I think that's, you know, that's not bad. I, I like that one. Let me, if you really want to get kind of interesting though, let me take you a step further. Okay, just a few uh, weeks ago, comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin was like minus 650. He's minus 285 now. I think he's going to play. Um, he's like, you know, he, he's suiting up. I just think by the end of the year, it may be that's that, that somehow that isn't the story anymore. So I'm taking some shots with comeback player of the year. Derek Carr is 50 to one to win comeback player of the year. We just talked about how terrible all the other teams in this division are. We just talked about the strength of his supporting cast. If those guys stay healthy, I think those are two ways to kind of bet on the Saints doing
doing really, really well in addition to uh, the Alave touchdown prop that you mentioned earlier. Um, but I think that is an interesting tail outcome. I think Derek Carr is a quarterback that could take advantage of this situation and then lose in the playoffs. <laughs> so um, th- that's kind of the the thought that I have. And you can just kind of see that narrative. No one's really talking about Derek Carr and the Saints. I feel like every year with the Raiders, we kind of always talk about Derek Carr. I think he's finally sort of flying under the radar. Um, so that's one of the tail outcomes that I like. I also think you're to your point around the Falcons, um, betting them to just be awful. You mentioned that they might need an injury to Kyle Pitts uh, or Drake London. They have Arthur Smith. So none of those guys need to get injured. They're just not going to have the ball thrown their way. Like, did we forget this? Like he's going to have Kyle Pitts blocking. He'll have Drake London, you know, running a decoy so he can, you know, get the ball to, to running back number three. Um, and, and my hypothesis there is just, I think Desmond Ritter is absolutely terrible, but guys, if Desmond Ritter is terrible, what options are there for them? Like if Desmond Ritter is like, just ter- like really, 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 really bad. What, what, what are they going to do, Brad? They're going to go, who are they going to, they're going to sign uh, Steve Palzola off the street. What are they going to do? Well, that's why they gave Taylor Heineke $14 million over two years. So that's, that's their, uh, and, and Judah talking about, Yes, small sample size, but you look at PFF stats from last year and whatever stat you want to pick, he was probably 48 out of 50, <laughs> no matter which one you want to look at. Yeah, I'm not sure that Taylor Heineke makes me uh, makes me terribly. George, uh, have, you, have you considered the B. John Robinson, you know, wildcat offense, him as a quarterback and, uh, you know, nothing else? I might give him that shot at winning. I honestly, I joked about this before. I forget who I joked about this with. Um, it was a really spectacular quarterback. Uh, anyways, Bijan played quarterback. I want to say in high school. Um, I don't, I don't think that's ridiculous. I don't think that's ridiculous. I would, uh, I would really strongly consider it. Um, lefty too, just cause that adds an element. I think he's, I think he was lefty, which, you know, just keeps things spicy a little bit. I, I feel like that's but, a thing of running backs and receivers. I mean, Antoine Randall was a, a bunch yeah. of Odell Beckham was a lefty. A bunch of these guys, yeah. guys very surprisingly left-handed. You look, you know, Maybe it's probably good hands. Yeah, yeah, right. No, it's true. That's true. I'm left-handed. I'm right-left-handed. I play sports right-handed. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think what I can say is that people that are left-handed do have to learn to use their, their left hand and their right hand pretty decently, which has got to help if you're a receiver. So, Bijan looks great as a receiver, by the way. Um, all right. Any other bets right here? I'm tapped out. Yeah, I will say Hall of Fame, same game parlays. We're not oh. under 33 and a half tomorrow in this in the uh, the Hall of Fame game. I don't hate. I do not hate at all. Man, I gotta I gotta dive into the uh, the preseason. Wow, what have I been doing? You can, you can find them on the Discord later tonight uh, if you are listening to this uh, or early on a Thursday. Um, you'll find the patented Judah Fort Gang. Um, I don't even know if they're going to have same game problems, but we'll find something uh, for for the Hall of Fame game. And uh, we'll holler at you all on Sunday. We have one more division preview. It is saving the best for last. It is Brock Purdy's division. It's the NFC West. And we're going to get after it on Sunday. We'll see you all later. Peace.